Well, thank you so much, Brian, uh, very, very much. Uh, we appreciate uh, uh, courageously being willing to share the story and the way in which God has been at work in, in his heart. Thank you so much, Brian, uh, for blessing all of us this morning. <clears throat> How many of you read any books by Mark Twain lately? Anybody read any Mark Twain? Uh, probably most famous for his book, The, the Adventures of Tom Sawyer, that, that rings some bells. Uh, Twain was a humorist in addition to being an author. And if you, if you just want a, a little chuckle sometimes, uh, Google funny sayings by Mark Twain, and, and uh, you'll come up with some things like this. A clear conscience is the sure sign of a bad memory. <laughs> If you hold a cat by the tail, you learn things you cannot learn any other way. <laughs> Age is an issue of mind over matter. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Clothes make the man. Naked people have little or no influence on society. <laughs> suppose you were an idiot, and suppose you were a member of Congress, but I repeat myself. <laughs> it... <laughs> Uh, it is better to keep your mouth closed and let people think you are a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. <laughs> but uh, along with the, his funny sayings, he also had some words of wisdom as well, such as this one about marriage. He says, a good marriage is the union of two good forgivers. Amen, huh? And then there's this one. The two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. Why? How many of you, uh, I, I suspect most of you are pretty confident about the date that you were born. How many know the day of the week you were born? Day of the week, okay? What about the time of day? Anybody remember the time of day? I don't remember, you remember it, but you, you know the time of day that you were born? Yeah. Okay, here's the harder question. How many of you know why you were born? How many know why? Take a look at this picture. <clears throat> this is the cover on the columbarium in Memphis, Tennessee, where, my, where we've placed my parents' ashes. And we're, what I want you to, to particularly notice uh, is the space between the, the birth year and the year of death, that space between the birth year and, and the year of death, what does that space represent? It represents a lot, does it not? It represents life, a lot of life lived. That space represents so many things that mean so much to me, that mean so much to people that everybody that knew my mom and dad, and, if, and which includes some of you who got to know them in the last years of their life when they moved here in Tulsa for a few years. But how much serious thought do you give to that space? How much serious thought do you give to your life? How much serious thought do you give to the question of why? Of why? Do you know why? Well, Jesus was interested in the what and the how of life. In fact, he left us a lot, a lot of teachings as to that effect. But he was especially interested in the why. And that is why he said what he said in this final top 10 that we are talking about today, John chapter 10, the second part of verse 10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
Jesus came to give us abundant life. Now, when you hear the word abundant, what do you typically think of? Now, some of you may think, well, if, if I'd won that $2 billion lottery earlier in the week, my, my, my life would be a truly abundant right now. <laughs> well, let me say very quickly that that is not what Jesus had in mind. Let's talk about what abundant life is and what abundant life is not. Many of us tend to misinterpret Jesus' promise here to mean uh, perfect health. He must mean a comfortable lifestyle, whether you win the lottery or not. That he means happiness, instant relief from problems. He means life on easy street. Well, but as you truly delve into the teachings of Jesus, you just don't find that kind of self-absorbed perspective in the words that he speaks, do you? You don't find that at all. You don't find that anywhere. He doesn't want to give us any kind of sense that God is supposed to be our magic genie who is going to give us whatever our heart's desire might be. That's not what he means by abundant life. So what does he mean? Well, let's delve into that just a little bit deeper here for a few moments. The New Testament was written in the Greek language. It was written in what was called Koine Greek, which was a common form of the Greek language. It was really God-ordained. It was according to the sovereignty of God at that time because that was the common language that everybody around the known world at that point could understand, the Koine Greek. Well, the Greeks were much more descriptive in their language than we are in the English language. For instance, we have one word for life, and that is the word life. <laughs> exactly. The Greeks had six different words for life, and they would, they would use whatever the word they would, for life they would choose to use depending on what it was that they were trying to get across in the context in which they were communicating. Well, the word that's used here in the Bible in John 10.10 10, is the word zoe, zoe. I came that they might have zoe and have zoe abundantly. It refers to new life. It refers to spiritual life that God gives to each and every person who receives Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. When you are spiritually born again in Christ, you are giving, given zoe. You are spiritually made alive. And that life begins the moment you make that decision to receive Christ, but it has no ending. What Jesus describes as Zoe is the life that he gives to us. He says abundant, abundant life. Abundantly meaning exceedingly or very highly, beyond measure, far more than we would expect or anticipate. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 describes it like this. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. That's the kind of life that Jesus is promising to us. Abundant life. Now, maybe some of you are thinking at this point, so what's the difference between abundant life and eternal life? Actually, there is no difference. Abundant life is eternal life. There is no difference. Most people have the wrong idea when they think of eternal life. They think of it as, as a life that does not begin until after you die, as a quantity of life. But that is not the case. It is a quality of life that begins the moment you receive Jesus Christ as Savior and then continues throughout eternity. Jesus actually defines it for us in John 17, verse 3. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Again, 
the moment you come to know him, eternal life for you begins. So what does then abundant eternal life actually look like? Well, Scripture gives us a variety of ways, ideas of what it looks like. For one, it's a dynamic kind of spiritual life, a dynamic kind of life that where you're growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ on a daily basis. It's characterized also, it's dynamic, but characterized by humility, always. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up in honor. Now, don't get the wrong impression because abundant life also includes failures. I mean, we are human, right? We're going to fail, but you recover and you overcome. Rather than pursuing an abundance of material wealth, you choose to pursue an abundance of that which Jesus promises us through His Spirit. Things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faith, faith, uh, self-control. You choose to walk through life, as the Bible says, with your mind, Colossians 3, 2, set on things above, but not on earthly things. And yet you are not so heavenly minded that you are of no earthly good. <laughs> you serve, a la Ephesians 2, 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You serve by doing the good things that He has planned for you to do. You seek to live each day with a prayerful attitude of gratitude, a la Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You take time to, to read and meditate upon the Scriptures each and every day because you know that the foundation of abundant life is God's Word. It is the Bible. Joshua 1.8 says, Study this book of instruction, referring to the Scripture, continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. In other words, what? Life will be abundant when you do that. Here's something we learned in Bible Expedition this past Wednesday night with the children, that when you live abundantly, you're also quick to forgive, to forgive. Colossians 3.13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. When you live abundantly, you choose to love First and foremost, Matthew 22, verse 37 to 39, Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Abundantly, you live with significance, with meaning, with hope, with spiritual energy. You live with purpose because you know the answer to the question of why. Well, maybe some of you are wondering at this point, if that's the case, if that's Jesus' promise to us, then why is it that, that so many Christians are, seem as though they're not experiencing abundant life? Well, <clears throat> Julie and I had the privilege to be a part of a, a group several years ago where a, a brilliant 
Christian counselor presented that exact question to us. Why is it that so many Christians seem to not be living the abundant life when that's what Jesus came, that's what Jesus came to give us? That's what Jesus promises to us. <clears throat> then he asked this. He said, do you agree that the experience of abundant life is a present tense experience? You know, we ought to think about this for a minute. He said, in other words, you may have experienced in the past, you may experience in the future, but your experience of abundant life is always in the present tense. And we agreed, we nodded our heads in agreement. Then he said, we forget about the first part of that verse where Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, in this context, the thief is the devil. So how does the thief steal, kill, and destroy one's present tense experience of abundant life? Here's how. By keeping a person hung up or weighted down with all kinds of baggage from their past. Well, that would include things like hurt and anger and pain, bitterness, resentment. I mean, you name it. But not only the baggage carried from the past, but also consumed with fear and anxiety about the future, which is usually because of, of the baggage they carry from the past. And that robs a person with a present tense opportunity to experience abundant life. The devil uses all that baggage from the past, the fear and anxiety about the future, to steal, kill, and destroy a person's freedom to experience abundant life now in the present. Does that make sense? I mean, when he shared that, I mean, the, the light came on. I mean, this is one of the reasons as a church why we are so committed to provide a ministry like Celebrate Recovery where a person can walk through a tw you know, the 12 steps of Celebrate Recovery and deal with all that baggage from the past and deal with that fear and anxiety about the future in order to be free to experience and live abundant life in Christ now, now, in the present. Now, please understand, I, I am not talking about a life where you, you never have a down moment you know, you, you're never you never have questions. There's all you know where there's always a smile on your face and pep in your step. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. As I often said in the past, when you if you put your life in Christ on a graph, it is not going to look like an arrow pointing straight up and to the right. It is going to be more like a, a, a gently flowing, sometimes not so gently, or more like a roller coaster that has a, gen, a general upward trajectory. So, the biggest question here is this. How does a person get this abundant life that Jesus came to give, that Jesus promises to us? Well, he gives us the answer to that question a couple of verses earlier. John chapter 10, verse 7. So, Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And by the way, we are the sheep. Don't get the wrong impression. It's, I promise you, it's not a bad thing. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good thing. <laughs> he said in verse 8, All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. 
Now, he gives us there's a couple of wonderful images here. First, notice Jesus said the sheep did not hear the thieves and the robbers. They did not hear the thieves and the robbers. There will be many voices that you will encounter in life who are going to be trying to rob you of the abundant life that Jesus came to give you if you listen to those voices instead of listening to him. He says, my sheep did not listen to those voices. Now, verse 27, just a few verses later, he says this, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. In other words, sheep who know what is best for them, sheep who want to experience abundant life will only listen and follow the one who is the true shepherd. Jesus is actually using an illustration that the people in that day would have been very, very familiar with, and actually people who, who work with sheep would be familiar with even today as well. In fact, I want to show you a little video where a group of international students are visiting a sheep farm, and the farmer tells them the words that he uses to call the sheep, and three of the students give it a try. Let, let's watch. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Jesus said, my sheep live abundantly by paying, by paying no attention to those false shepherds out there. My people live abundantly when they listen to my voice and follow me, Jesus said. Well, back to verse 7, Jesus said, truly, truly. Now, remember, whenever he begins a statement like that, and he will do that often, what he is, is saying is, hey, listen up, because what I'm about to tell you is the absolute, authoritative, God-ordained truth. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Well, take a look at this next picture. This is a, a sheep pen in the Middle East, back what they would do is when they would take the sheep out to a far off distance to try to find better pasture, 
they would build these sheep pens that made out, obviously made out of stone with low walls into which the, the shepherds would lead the sheep during the night and put them inside that sheep pen in order so that they may be protected from thieves or from predators. Now, notice the entryway there, however. During the night, open entryway, what would keep the sheep from you know, going out the door and wandering back off? What would keep predators from going in? I'll tell you what, a good shepherd, a good shepherd would lay down in that opening. A good shepherd became the door. Again, Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is the good shepherd who loves and cares for his sheep. He is the one true shepherd. He is the door, the door to salvation, to real life, to eternal life, to abundant life for his sheep. And please notice, as Jesus has been speaking these words, this is so important, there are no conditions no conditions placed upon anyone who wants to come in that door. None. There is no secret handshake. There is no secret password. Don't you hate passwords? <laughs> you don't have to remember any passwords. There is no secret password. There are no series of hoops or spiritual gymnastics that you have to perform in order to be able to go through that door. You can go through that door for free. You just have to choose to enter through the door through Jesus Christ. And again, you enter free because guess what? He has already paid your price of admission when he died upon the cross for you. So you now are able to freely enter into abundant life for free. Several years ago, we sent a mission team to Russia to work with orphans over there at the time. And uh, on this particular occasion, I was unable to leave the day the team left because of previous commitments, and so I, I, was, I had to leave the day after that the team left. And uh, I, my flight path was to fly from here to Atlanta, Atlanta to New York, New York to Moscow. And when I got to Atlanta, we were getting ready to take off to, for New York, and the plane had mechanical problems. So we sat on the plane, you know, how that, how that rigmarole goes. We sat on the plane for a long time, and they finally said, I'm sorry, we can't, you know, can't plane. you're going to have to get off the plane. And... And uh, you can either stay here in Atlanta or you can go into, you know, uh, New York later on tonight sometime and find a place. And then, and then so we had already missed our connection from New York to Moscow. So I don't want to try to find a hotel room at midnight in, in New York City. So, um, so I stayed the night in Atlanta, flew early the next morning to New York. I got to the terminal uh, there probably about three hours before it was time to board the plane. Well, about two hours before it was time to board, my name was called out over the loudspeaker, and I thought, oh, my, well, you know, what's, what's going on now? And so I went up to the desk, and the very pleasant gate agent said, agent said, Mr. Hester, if it's okay with you, we'd like to bump you up to first class for this flight to Moscow. And I told her, I said, well, I'm sorry, ma'am, I'd really rather sit all cramped up in the back for, you know, for that 14-hour flight to Moscow. <laughs> no, obviously not. I said, oh, that, that would be fantastic. I'd never flown first class before, hadn't done it since, but boy, I'm not sure did enjoy it then. <laughs> well, 
Well, I, I sat in my, the seat I was given in the first class was right next to an individual, to this man who was, was from Russia. And he explained to me that, that he had come to the States back in the 1980s, somehow, I'm not sure, that was before communism fell, I'm not sure how he was able to pull that off, but he, he'd come to the United States back in the 80s and, had, and was an owner of several art museums in New York City. Now, I know this sounds like I'm profiling, forgive me if that's the case, <laughs> but he looked like he could have just stepped out of a movie about the Russian mafia. <laughs> I'm serious. Uh, he, bald-headed, big guy, blustery. And uh, so we, I, I, it was an interesting conversation. And I had brought with me some little brochures that we had printed up here in order to be able to use them to talk to people about Christ. Um, and then also had with me a Russian Bible. Now, in, in our little brochure, we had, had Bible verses printed in, in Russian. And then we also had the Russian Bible. But the issue that we were told in our training process about the Russian Bible is that the Russian Orthodox Church controlled the translation of that as well as the publish, publication of that. And there were two big issues with it. First of all, the translation was not always very accurate. And then second of all, it was translated into old, an old form of the Russian language. It would have been like old English for us. I'm not talking about old King James English. I'm talking about like old Beowulf kind of English, if you ever had to try to read your way through that. And so I, 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 I handed him the, the brochure and, and showed him the, the, the same verse in the Bible. I said, would you mind looking at this verse? The verse I'd chosen was Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so he was comparing the, the what it, that's how it read in, in the brochure with how it read in the Bible. And as he was looking at that in, in his broken English, he tried to explain to me the discrepancy that he was seeing. And, and for whatever reason, I mean, very surprisingly, he got very animated about it. He said, he said no, no, no. He said, this, this, uh, this Bible is not, is not correct. It should say eternal life is a free gift. Eternal life is free. It is a free gift of God. <laughs> I just kind of smiled and paused for a moment, and I thanked him for explaining to me. And then I asked him the question. I said, well, his name is Yuri. I said, Yuri, have you ever received that free gift of eternal life that Jesus Christ wants to give to you? And then he said, it is time for me to sleep. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Wall went up and it never came down for the rest of the flight. Well, since that Russian art dealer won't talk to me, let me ask you this morning. Have you received the free gift of eternal life that is offered to you through Jesus Christ, our Lord? Have you? Jesus said, I have come to give you life that you might have life and might have it abundantly, abundantly. Let's pray.
If you're seated there this morning or perhaps listening online, and when I asked that question a moment ago, have you received that free gift of eternal life, of abundant life in Christ? And you realize that I don't, I don't think I ever have. I really don't think I ever have. It may be that you've gone to church for a long, long time, many years of your life, but nobody really ever explained to you how church came about and, and what the person of Jesus Christ was truly about and, and what he did for you. When he died on the cross to pay the penalty of our sins in order that we might be free to receive that gift of life, free to enter into eternal, abundant life. I would ask that today you would allow His Spirit to continue to speak to you as you open your heart to Him and simply say, Lord, I, as best I know how, I want to invite you to come into my heart and into my life. Lord, I ask that you would bless me with that gift, that free gift of life. I thank you that I don't have to earn it. I don't have to deserve it. I don't have to jump through hoops. I just get to enter in freely through the door of Jesus Christ. Would you do that this morning? Father, uh, we thank you. We thank you that your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom you sent into this world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, is the one who is our true shepherd, the one who is our truly good shepherd, who is the door who laid down his life for us, that we might be free to have life abundantly. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.